My name is Brian, and today is Wednesday, November 1st, 2023, and this is episode 558 of the Lots Project Podcast, where we're defying norms and designing freedom. Today's episode is titled Rabbits on the Homestead, and I will be diving into my experience with rabbits on our homestead in Minnesota, the pros, the cons, the things I would do a little different, but let's first grab that cup of coffee and uh, catch up with what's going on in the live feed. Hope everyone is having a good morning. Who's here? Who is here so far? Pip, Pip, congratulations. Congratulations on uh, getting that first episode out and published. Uh, hit play this morning. I, I uh, had that light bulb moment about five minutes before the show, and it was eight minutes long. So got to watch the beginning. We'll go back and watch again. I encourage everybody to, uh, to support Pip through his journey into doing daily videos on on uh, YouTube with the re um, the reincarnation of lots of history. Pip always did the notes for history and now he's actually going to read it. So congratulations, man. Congratulations. Uh, Philippine Nomad, how we doing? Good morning, Backwoods. Nice to see you, bunnies. Yes, we're going to be talking about bunnies today. MSU Rifle, how we doing? And how are we doing, Hunter? Hunter, how's it going down there? Lonely man over on Twitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pip says, it was you that had the second view. Thanks, thanks, and good morning. It's still early, man. It's still early. It only has been out for, um, what, about an hour? Two hours, maybe? Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> it will uh, the views will come. The views will come. You just have to keep doing it. Be consistent with it, and uh, man, they will show up for sure. Because uh, it's good. It's good. History is good. It's a good topic, and uh, I always like doing it. It just didn't end up fitting into this format, and um, I hope you do awesome with it. Um. Kyle says, Hunter, you're not in my telegram. What are you trying to shame him? Backwoods Butcher trying to shame Hunter for not being in uh, in his telegram chat. Uh, <laughs> he posted a posted a video of his walk-in tour. Good morning, Digger. How we doing? Thanks for swinging in. Oh, man. Coffee chat today. It's cold here, guys. It's cold. Uh, 28, 27 right now. And I know I sound like a, a Southerner, but I think I am at this point uh, after a winter in Texas and now uh, not planning on going north of Tennessee, <laughs> not planning on going north of Tennessee this winter and sticking around here. It's chilly. It's chilly. 28, uh, 28 this morning. We've had the wood stove rolling now for, I don't know, about 24 hours. I think Corey, Corey fired it up yesterday morning. Maybe no two two days. I think we're forty eight hours now that we've had it going. Um, it's not staying horrible in here. Corey ended up getting up a bunch last night and stoking the fire. Um, we had made a, a commitment last night before we went to bed that if either of us got up to pee or whatever in the middle of the night, that we would uh, fill the firebox. And man, I got up early 
Uh, it would only been a couple hours. I went to start filling it, and here comes voice from the other room. I already filled it. I just filled it. I'm like, okay. I went back in, laid down in bed, and um, man, I popped my eyes open this morning when the alarm went off. And I was like, it's not that bad in here. It's not really not that bad in the in the camper. It stayed kind of warm. And I came out, and uh, Corey's getting ready to take the dogs. I was like, hey, the time's pretty good in here. She's like, yeah, that's because I was up all night stoking the fire. <laughs> I was like, what? Well, I got up to pee, and then I got was cold, and then I got up to pee again. And then you just got up because you were cold all night. Is that, um, yeah. So she was cold. She has that dog that doesn't have any fur trying to keep her warm. I don't understand how that's supposed to happen. But she kept the fire rolling all night. I appreciate it. It sucks. I know. I know getting up in the middle of the night all night. I, I don't usually do it because I sleep so hard. And, uh, <laughs> man, I was nice and cozy. <laughs> it's probably because she was up keeping the fire going and I wasn't ended up getting cold. Um, but 60, 60 in here, 27 outside. It's it's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, we have enough clothes to make that work, I think. I think if this is what it was all winter, I don't think it would be extremely horrible. How about you? Are you comfortable? We'll see what the we'll see what the skirting does to um, to help keep the keep the temperature in here more consistent, and maybe we can neck that uh, neck that wood stove down a little bit overnight so we can get a little more sleep. So Corey can get a little bit more sleep um, in between filling the firebox. Morning, Rachel. How we doing? Rewilder Life. Thanks for stopping in. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Let's see. Let's see. What else we got on here? It's cold. It's cold. Yesterday, I got to spend a bunch more time with uh, my friends Herschel and Norman working on the roof. Uh, yeah, lots of progress. Lots of progress. By the time I left yesterday, uh, all the shingles are completely off the whole roof. And uh, pretty much half, well, I would say three quarters, three quarters done with the, with the rain and ice shield and then on to the metal roofing. We got a bunch of shingles taken off yesterday and a bunch of plywood that needed to be replaced, uh, fitted in. And uh, it was good. It was good work day. It was chilly when we showed up. We were a little delayed on a little delayed on getting up on the roof because it was so uh, frosty and icy and slippery. That is not um, that is not uh, not ideal for getting up on there. That ice and rain shield, it um it gives a lot of grip once you get it on. So I'm not a huge fan of heights. I'll, I'll um, throw that out there. And the roof is just, they have a single story house. And it's uh, it's a very low pitched roof here in Tennessee. You don't have to worry about too much snow load and that. So we can have some pretty low pitched roofs. So I was pretty comfortable getting up there, moving around and everything. But man, if you've ever done roofing, and when you start pulling the shingles off, all the all the rock and dust and nails and loose shingle pieces get real slippery, uh, first of all. Then um, when we were tearing up, some of the roof had tar paper, some didn't. I mean, this is this is no building code Tennessee that we're working on this. So the things that we saw as we were pulling it apart um, and, and uh, Norman was engineering fixes for it, it was interesting for sure. But uh, as you were pulling the layers off, things got kind of slippery, um, got down to that plywood as it uh, as it got a little dusty or wet. It got a little slippery. Once we got the, the ice and rain shield down, this is like a, a, a sticky backing 
rubberized coating that goes under. They're going to be doing a metal roof, so they put that on. And, um, man, it was like a grip tape on the roof, so it was a lot easier to walk around on. Uh, but when the stuff got wet, it was like a slip and slide. So we'll see. We will see. I'm going to head back over this morning, but I have something else to do before that. And that is, um, that's next on my list. I need to head out to uh, Delinquent's Gully and grab some of that season deadfall. Uh, like I said, we've had the, the wood stove going for two days solid. Is it two days solid now? Two days solid. Corey nods her head. Yep, two nights of stoking the fire all night. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I got to go out and cut more wood. I, I think we'll make it through this cold snap uh, the more I look at it. But I don't want to run out. I don't want to run out. I don't want to have to put that uh, that propane heater on. That I just don't like that thing. It it makes the it makes the air in here weird. It's uh, very it, it makes things wetter, uh, more humid in here. And um, I don't know. I just go. It's easy. The woods there uh, have access to it, and it's uh, it's seasoned. It's like it was standing deadfall. I don't want to say standing. But up above the ground, I, I kind of scouted out and found a bunch of places where there was nice, big, hardwood deadfall that's just been aging itself and not rotting on the ground. And uh, there's a ton of it out there. So slicing it up into six inch, um, six inch rounds and then splitting them back here at the at the trailer and stacking them up or piling them up, I guess. It um, I wasn't sure how seasoned it would be since it was still um, full logs, but um, man, it, it seems to be burning well. It seems to be burning fast. It seems to be very dry. When you knock on it, I don't have a moisture meter, but when you knock on it, it 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 sounds dry and solid. So I don't know. I hunted around. I found some stuff, and if I need to hunt more, it's 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 everywhere. It is everywhere on that property for sure. And uh, on workday, a ton of uh, a ton of it got cut up out of the paths and things, and stacked along the side. So that may make my life easier when I gotta go harvest some. So excited about that! Get out there, grab some more. Uh, really make a huge pile. Hey, good morning, Chrissy. Uh, morning from Vermont. First time here. Well, welcome, welcome. It doesn't hurt at all. It doesn't hurt. Sometimes it does. Uh, but that's just listening. That's not, uh, it's not actually physical pain. Uh, but uh, Rachel says snow came and stayed. Oh, no. I saw that in Minnesota. We were getting pictures of the, the nephews on Halloween. And they had uh, accumulated snow on October 31st. And I looked at Corey and I said, are they, are they snowed in for the year now? Um are they like do not snowed in? She looked at me. She's like, "What?" I was like, "Not snowed in, but like snow covered." I guess would be the word. Uh, are they snow covered for the year now? Will it? It will it melt away? Um, oh yeah, Chrissy, stay. Uh, keep your distance from Backwoods Butcher. He is in New Hampshire and awfully close. And and sometimes he bites, but he's not horrible. He's not horrible. Um. It says drop below 60 there in Orlando. Almost had to find where I put the pants. Uh, good thing you have a good thing you have a brand new knit hat and ear warmers, Pip, to keep you warm. Um, keep you warm. 
in the sixties there. That is uh that is a tough, 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 uh, tough thing to deal with. Um, so yeah, I got to get out and cut up a bunch of more firewood, bring that back. I, I think I'm just going to bring a whole truckload if I can, uh, which isn't that much since we have the bed of the truck pretty full all the time. So I, I clear a little spot and I will uh, make a trip and, um, yeah, then maybe back over to do some more roofing. Depends on how long the morning takes. We got a bunch of, uh, a bunch of stuff to keep rolling through and get that metal roof up. I'm excited to see it. I've never been, um, I have helped take shingles off a roof. I've never been part of re-roofing with shingles or uh, metal roofing or anything like that. So I'm I'm excited to to learn that to to be a hand to help uh, help make that job go smoother. It's going to be interesting with uh, the long metal panels going up on the roof. So luckily, two of us are tall and uh, we can slide them up there. I think that it will uh, it'll work very well and we'll get it done. So. Um. Mm, oh no, Chrissy says my wood stove was puffing. I opened the flue and the soot was up to the pipe hole. Had to put all new gasketing. That gets dangerous. That gets dangerous, and definitely, uh, my wife is uh, way better at saying there's something wrong with the stove. <laughs> there is definitely something wrong with the stove, and I, uh, I get it. Then we'll like we'll clean the the stovepipe. We just have a little tiny stovepipe. So our, I don't know if uh, you know kind of what's going on with us, but we're full time in an RV, and we have a cubic mini wood stove um, in heating the RV, and so we only have that little tiny um, little tiny stovepipe going out the top. I think it was only like eight feet at most. And it fills up, and we don't. We didn't burn the best wood um, last winter when we were in Texas. It was uh, a lot of wet stuff because it was so wet in Texas uh, where we were staying. And it, we did get a little uh, accumulation just because it wasn't burning hot enough in the creek, so it would burn up or build up. So as soon as you knock that flue pipe out, the stove worked a heck of a lot better and uh, won't cause a fire. So yeah, yeah. Um, Let's uh, let's see what else on the list here for Coffee Talk. Oh, our tarp shipped. Yes, that's the other thing is uh, the, the skirting project we're going to be doing here when it warms up a little bit. Uh, the skirt, uh, the skirting material, uh, old tarp, old, new, old tarp, new recycled tarp, I guess. Um, vinyl tarp. Vinyl tarp uh, that we picked up uh, like the it's the same thickness of material as billboard material. I'm not sure if this one is actually a recycled billboard uh, tarp or if it's just the same material like the end cuts or things that uh, that they were throwing away when they were printing them. Uh, but it appears that the whole site I ordered it from is all recycled, upcycled billboards. So that should be coming tomorrow. I think I told Corey yesterday it's coming today, but it's actually on Thursday. It's showing up. And then our tools and supplies we got from Amazon will be coming on Monday. So um, I don't know if that'll be a next week after work project, if it's going to be a multi-day project. It will probably depend on the weather and how uh, how cold it's going to be getting overnights and if we want to get that all sealed up. But content on that will be uh will be rolling out we'll we'll definitely get some uh, some videos of what we're doing why we're doing it and how it works out 
it might be a complete disaster. This is something that uh, we've never done before. And f I found it on a website that, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Could be interesting. It could be a bunch of video of Brian uh, swearing and throwing things because things didn't work out. But uh, man, the price was right. And if it works, it is uh, some way, it's a way to save a ton of money on getting winterized skirting around the bottom of the trailer. So um kyle says we actually got really nice wood this year oh yes because you got to see me uh two-year seasoned oak and it crank it cranks uh bartered for beef processing nice nice yeah that that stuff that i'm um i'm cutting up is definitely not ideal uh but it's 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 uh it's working so there is that and it's uh it's free it's free What's up? This is better stuff than our Corey says this is better than the stuff we got at Tractor Supply last year. So I, that's a win for me. My wife is happy. I'm happy. Oh, my God. <laughs> the dog's in the back. And he started chewing on an antler. He was, like, flipping it around in his mouth. And it's clinking on his teeth. And uh, I thought he was vomiting all over the floor. <laughs> like, instant reaction was, oh, my God, the dog, the dog puking all over the floor. Anyway, anyway, let's get rolling on to this topic of the day today. I didn't, uh, I didn't do any sponsor reads. I didn't do any um, brought to you buys or anything like that for today. Uh, but I encourage you, I encourage you to head to the website, look at uh, the recommend, recommended products there. Uh, have a lot of uh, things that we've used that I would recommend again. Uh, some of them are still available. Some of them are not. Uh, there's a should be a blog post review, links to YouTube videos, things like that. Any of the things from Amazon, you click on the link. And even if you don't buy the item that you clicked on, you are in our affiliate tracking and we'll get credit for anything you buy. There's also a bunch of products that aren't on Amazon and uh, I'm adding them as soon as I can or as quickly as I can uh, get content and blog posts up and things like that. But if you want to help support the show, you can definitely hit the like on the YouTube uh, on the YouTube video, uh, subscribe, share it with your friends, and head on over to the website. Check out those recommended products, and if you need any of them, pick some up. So with that, let's get on to rabbits on the homestead. Uh, Corey and I did rabbits for probably three years, three or four years, I think. Um, I'm guessing, well, I know uh, it ended at the beginning of a winter. And I'm guessing it started at the, the end of a winter. So I'm, it, it would be a halvesy year. Well, in Minnesota, I guess it would be a quarter year because three quarters of the year is winter. But we did uh, we did rabbits for a significant amount of time. Uh, we ended up with a, a lot, a lot of rabbits at, uh, at the peak. We were attempting to run a pretty productive rabbitry. This wasn't something that was just for personal use. This was something that we were trying to, at a minimum, pay for our feed and um, our rabbits that we were eating and profit something. And if we could have grown it um, more, we would have. Uh, and as you'll see on this list, we took some different directions. We took definitely took some different directions. Uh, after we got started, we uh, got started. The first rabbits we got were the Americans, correct? Yep, yeah. Right, right, right. So the first breed of rabbits we got, uh, we got started with a trio of uh, um, American breed rabbits. 
uh yeah we yeah america we got america rabbits and uh so we got two bucks or two does and a buck uh got started with that and and quickly after started adding on uh getting the feel of it kind of getting the motions the 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 chores the layout we went through man uh several iterations of um coops we um <laughs> Kyle says, damn it, do your research before the show. I, I have it on the list here. Americans first. Uh, but she's sitting next to me and she remembers this more than I do. So I thought I would use a a credible reference. And you should be saying hi to her anyway, Kyle. Um every morning. Anyway, we we went through set of several iterations of of cages. Uh, I'll let you know later what I thought of each one's um, and uh, a bunch of different breeds of rabbits and for different reasons. And I will uh, get to that list right now. So we started with the Americans. Like I said, we also had New Zealand's, Californians, Rex, Flemish Giants and uh, and a bunch of mutts and uh, experimental um, crossbreedings that that we were running um I was running a breeding program trying to get some results that we didn't end up getting because it was such a long cycle. Um, I was trying to, so your ideal rabbit for, for meat. And that's, uh, that's one thing they're, they're great for, for multiple products. One of the pros of the rabbits are you get multiple products from one animal, possibly you will get meat. Of course, that's, that's kind of why you do it on the homestead. Um, you get meat or fur, I want to say, or because we thought, um, yes, Chrissy, rabbits were for eating for us, uh, for both us. And we were attempting to to raise enough to do raw dog food also for us. Uh, but we never transitioned. We never transitioned the dogs to raw food because we weren't stable enough in um we weren't stable enough in production to be comfortable transitioning them uh, to the diet completely in case we didn't have food for them. So they were eventually going to be for uh, dog food, but we shut it down before that fact. Um, but we found that you could do meat or fur in a rabbit, uh, especially uh, especially the, the, the meat calls when we attempted to do the furs and we tried we tried to tan the furs um when we tried to tan the furs of the meat calls the the fur was very thin the fur uh the skin was very thin they were young they were only eight to 12 weeks well 12 to 16 weeks <coughs> 12 to 16 weeks old and they were all different times of the year uh usually summer uh, early fall where they didn't have their full coats in and it just didn't it wasn't worth it wasn't worth the effort for the the price you could ask for that quality of fur now if you were raising rabbits for fur and you weren't trying to be a meat producing rabbitry you could eat the the meat from the fur rabbits if that makes sense yeah, if you were raising them for fur and you weren't worried about the cost of the feed and production models and schedules for producing meat, 
you could consume and always should consume the meat from the fur rabbits. It just didn't work the other way. When you were trying to be a high production, um, high quality meat rabbits with uh, low bone to meat ratio, uh, fast growing, large, large bodied, um, produce a lot of meat, the fur isn't the thing. Uh, Jack, uh, Jack at TSP talks about a lot of times dual anything isn't the best at either. Um, egg, egg, dual meat and egg chickens will lay less eggs than layers and produce less meat than meat birds. Uh, they're not the best at either. When I found rabbits, uh, meat and fur rabbit, dual breed rabbits aren't good at either. <laughs> it's not that they're not the best at either. They're small. Uh, or very large with a lot of bone, or the fur isn't that good to um, to tan. Uh, Backwoods Butcher says, I'm still waiting for our last two to go into the compost. You still have rabbits? Why aren't you, uh, why aren't you breeding them? They're not that hard if you have them anyway. Um, but anyway, so you could do meat or fur with them. Uh, raw food, raw food outlet is... Um, is where we ended up ended up having to sell most of ours because of um, just the the hoops we had to jump through to sell them off the farm, not from our location. Like take them places and sell them. Uh, they they fell under the same category as rat or as chickens, and had to get them uh, equal to or USDA processed. And not a lot of processors will do rabbits, and I preferred to do them myself. The one processor we did end up finding, and uh, we had some issues with. You can go back in the show and listen to the poo episode where uh, we ended up. We've ended up uh, opening up some of the the packages that we ended we got processed to sell, and I found rabbit poo in my packaging from the USDA inspected um, facility. I wasn't happy. I paid uh, a significant amount of money to have those processed professionally and inspected so I could sell them. And they came back with poop in the package. And uh, yeah, didn't go well. Uh, so basically, I was selling them from the farm. We were 90 miles away. People that are buying rabbit aren't um, aren't driving. They are shut down. <laughs> they are shut down. Uh, and... So people weren't going to drive 90 miles to buy rabbit. Uh, by the time the cost was factored in, they could get it at high V for a similar price. So it, uh, it became tough to sell them for human grade food. I knew plenty of people um, fed either whole call rabbit or processed rabbit for raw dog food. And so I started pursuing that market. It opened up a ton of opportunity both for rabbits and a bunch of other products on the farm that I sold into the raw food market. And if you're running a homestead and you don't want to jump through the hoops of USDA processing and selling to people and all of that, um, selling to those, <laughs> selling, is that Norman? <laughs> selling to those uh, raw feeders is, uh, is a fantastic outlet for your products. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Just the, just some stuff going on in the camper this morning. That's um, kind of funny. It would be a very long story, but anyway. Uh, 
so raw dog food, uh, they're great for their poop is great for adding to compost, but it's also a cold manure, which, uh, which you can add right to your garden and they make lots of it. They make lots of it. Also, we had a ton of rabbits. So there were a lot of, uh, there was a lot of poop. Uh, it, it, it's good to add to, to compost. But it's also, like I said, cold manure, so it can go straight onto the garden. So you can um, you can uh, you can scoop it into bags and sell it uh, straight straight rabbit poop. Uh, you're going to want to get the urine out of it. That's uh, that's a whole nother process. You're going to keep the urine out of it. Uh, otherwise, it can get high in uh, nitrates or something and not be as good. But it um, it's. It definitely helps. We used to top coat our top coat our raised beds with the stuff in the in the fall when we would put them to bed, and then also add piles and piles and piles of it to the to the compost pile. So that that are some those are some of the products you can grab from the rabbits. Um, let's hit it again: meat and or fur. Uh, we used to make rabbit feet out of them and sell tons of them. All the raw food options, like the heads, the organs, the all the different ways you can process the rabbit for dog food, um, and then the compost. Kyle, Kyle talked about, Kyle talked about um, getting his into the compost, but that is something that that I used to do with uh, calls that like old, old breeder does, and um, and if I had, um, if I had like a sudden death or something like that in the rabbitry and I wasn't about to eat it. They, uh, they went fantastic into the compost. They broke down quick. They would almost kick off a compost cycle. If the, the compost pilot kind of, um, kind of died down and you, you mixed in a rabbit or a rabbit that was cut in half, uh, it would almost kick off that cycle again and get that compost going, get the decom decom decomposition, uh, fired back up. So that was always a outlet for them if uh, if they weren't ready, if they weren't if they weren't suitable to be eaten, I guess would be a good good thing. Uh, so tons of products that was definitely a pro um, that we had. We had tons of them. I think at our peak, I think at our peak when we had a bunch of litters in the rabbitry, we probably had a hundred rabbits on site. I think that's what the number we came up to is uh, a significant amount of does. We're pushing 20 or so does and uh, five or six, five or six bucks at any point and uh, different breeds. And it was a lot of, a, a lot of tracking, a lot of, um, a lot of figuring out breeding dates and Kindle dates and things like that. So we went big, we went big. And that is definitely on my list to, uh, to caution you against. Uh, what we would have done different here at the end, but uh, yeah, tons, tons. So we had we had lots of experience with all sorts of different things with the rabbits, and uh, let's uh, let's hit the pros. Let's hit the pros of having these things on the the homestead. I think they are, I think they are definitely something you should consider. Uh, you should definitely consider them if you are in like a suburban lot. I know Nate and Aaron at uh, Two Chicks Homestead. They are they have their rabbitry, uh, and they've built a lot of their their protein consumption around the rabbits. They're limited on the amount of chickens they can have, uh, but with the rabbits being so quiet 
Uh, they don't stink if you if you can keep up with them. If you keep up with the manure, you can keep up with taking care of them. The fact that the manure is cold, um, they they don't smell a lot, and so it's basically if you can keep them out of sight. They're out of mind. Nobody's thinking about them. They're not making noise. They're not disturbing anybody. They can be a great stealthy, stealthy protein source for someone in a suburban lot, in an HOA, things like that. And uh, you can always call them pets. Always call them pets. So that is uh, definitely one advantage, one pro of, of the rabbits uh, as a protein source. So, <coughs> excuse me. They're very quiet. They're relatively clean, um, especially if you do them at, at a personal scale. If you're doing a trio, uh, like two does and a buck, three does and a buck, um, maybe up to even four or five does and a couple bucks, uh, they're clean. They're relatively clean. You, uh, you, can, you, can, um, you can take care of them fairly easy. You can DIY setups. They can be fairly, fairly inexpensive to start up. You're going to want to um, pay attention to your breeding stock that you're going to get. You're going to want to get decent breeding stock. If you don't, if you just go to the pet store and buy a rabbit and um, and start breeding them, I think you'll be unhappy with the results. I think you, if you're going to catch a wild rabbit and start start breeding them, uh, somehow you're going to uh, figure out uh, how to capture a male and a female and start breeding them. I don't think that's going to work out well. There are specific breeds of rabbits that are are meant, like I said earlier, for meat production, and then others that are meant for fur production, and then there's a whole other category of just rabbits that aren't good for anything really in my opinion but that's um that's that's how you get started um uh let me see sorry good morning blakesley acres how are we doing uh chrissy says how about male goats some restaurants are trying to figure out what to do with the males so there is no waste uh, male goats for dog food would be fine. I'm sure dogs would love, uh, love eating, um, love eating goat, male or female. Uh, and Rewilder Life is, um, saying if they get stuck, if they get stuck where they're at due to building costs. So they're in the, they're in a, a neighborhood and they're transitioning out to some, some raw property. Uh, building out there, if building costs get prohibitive, they're gonna they're gonna hit up rabbit and quail, and I think that's a perfect I think that's a perfect plan, Rachel. Both of those um, both of those are easy to care for, provide multiple products, and uh, the protein is great, really really great. Um, so other pros of the rabbits, like I said, great protein. We enjoyed it. We actually enjoyed it, I would say, as much, if not more, than chicken. And we used it in anything that you could make chicken with. So if you if you were baking chicken, if you were making um, like a, any chicken dish, like a chicken Alfredo, what are some of the other chicken pot pie? Um, I don't even remember the other stuff. It's been so long, but we, we basically put it in any. Oh, yeah. Buffalo rabbit. Yeah. So anything that you could make with chicken, 
you could use the the rabbit meat for and we ended up really preferring that meat to chicken uh that could have been a a, a factor of us eating so much chicken because we also raised chicken on the farm and had freezers full of it we didn't ra um we didn't raise any beef pork anything like that so we were bringing that in the stuff we raised we we tried to eat more of and uh, we we kind of got burned out on chicken but rabbit rabbit was very it was a little different flavor i preferred it to chicken in all of this stuff kyle says rabbit pot pie is amazing yeah it was actually a chicken pot pie recipe that we found that we converted to rabbit and it was ungodly to make but man it was good it was like one of those one of those dishes you would make on a saturday morning and it would take a few hours to prep and make all the stuff and multiple uh, multiple steps and uh, it was it was great we always made a second one froze it and and made it at a later time but always worth the effort always worth the effort i'm pretty sure Man, I don't even know if you can navigate it to it anymore. I had a bunch of rabbit sections on our old homestead website, and I know they're still up because they're linked to in YouTube videos, but I don't think that the there's any navigation to them. I'll have to figure out how to make a uh, a link list to all of those things because we had a bunch of recipes. Uh, we had articles on making um, rabbit foot keychains and things like that. So that is uh, that is still out there. Look, meat is great. So that is my biggest pro for rabbits, having them on the homestead, is that that meat just tastes great. Quiet, like I mentioned earlier, they're really easy to care for um, to a point. If you keep them clean, you have the right cages uh, and you get lucky by good breeding stock, they're very easy to care for. Uh, you can get into some disease that is uh, pretty devastating to a rabbitry. Uh, there are specifics. I, I'm not going to go down the line of specific diseases that can pop in on rabbits, but, uh, there's one spreading, uh, basically, um, basically rabbit Ebola is now spreading in the country. That's really, uh, uh unfortunate, but they, um, they have some, some disease issues that you could come down and have, have dead rabbits. Um, and that was something I didn't really like about it, especially having a larger rabbitry and not being as experienced when you have animals dying and you don't know why. Um, when you want to do right by those animals, it gets frustrating. It gets um, it gets depressing a little bit, but it uh, it wasn't it wasn't horrible. I, I don't want to make it sound like you shouldn't do it because of this. Just know that it's a possibility. Uh, good morning, Rob Kaiser. How we doing? All around growth podcast. I uh, I think everybody should check out that podcast for sure. Uh, Pip says, how many meals does one normal size rabbit make, depending on how you cook them? We would eat one, right, between the two of us. Corey and I would share a rabbit, and we we would have probably on the smaller side we would consume the whole thing. If they were on the larger size. Uh, a larger side of a call, we would end up uh, having a little leftover. But Corey and I, and I mean, you got to remember, I'm I'm six five. I was coming home from a day of work where I probably didn't eat anything all day. So for one person, two per person, 
Backwoods says two per person. Now I would say you get two, two, three. I think Nate and Aaron do one rabbit for the family um, with them and two children. I think that would be okay if you grew them out a little bigger. If you were going to have like um, cull weight, five pounds, processed weight, that would probably be good for, yeah, ours, ours were usually three-ish, some a little smaller, some a little bigger. And then when we would get into a five pound call weight, which was a very big one for our rabbitry, uh, you would probably get um, three to four adult servings out of it, I would say. She's trying to think about when we smoked it. She couldn't remember. <laughs> smoking rabbit, guys. Smoking rabbit. Um, so yeah, it's it's not a it's not a ton of meat, but you can you can produce a ton of rabbits. Is the thing. Um, yeah. So good meat. They're quiet. They're easy to care for. They're easy to feed. Is another pro. And Corey and I were talking about this. Um, Corey and I were talking about how we would have probably tried to feed them more from the farm. And it's completely possible. When we had them, I went out and I cut fresh hay for them every day. Uh, it was supplementing their pellets. There are plenty of methods that I found out later uh, to feed them from the farm. Uh, fodder trees are great. Uh, a hybrid poplar, hybrid willow, they will eat. They can eat completely uh, from the homestead if you plan for it. If you know, um, if you know what you're doing, if you look into it a little bit, get your get your fodder system set up early before you get the rabbits. You will be able to figure out how much you need, how many rabbits you can support. But if something happens and you can't get pellets, either because you can't get them or you can't afford them or whatever reason you can feed them without outside inputs if you have to they're not going to have the best grow rates you're not going to be running anything for profit i don't think well profit gets a little easier when you're not paying for food timeline is what's going to be is what's going to be the issue they're going to be slower growth um the grow outs will be slower i don't know how the quality of the meat would be i can't imagine that it would be horrible but I don't know how much they'd pack on. They'd probably be a little thinner, a little less meat to bone. I this is all uh, this is all guess because, like I said, all we did was supplement our pellets with uh, rabbit hay. Um, <sighs> Backwoods says I like to make packages of legs and arms and do rabbit wings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when we would when we would break down rabbits, uh, a lot of them were whole, and then sometimes we would break down parts uh, and package them separately, like all of the tenderloins, all of the yeah. Rewilder Life says Nick Ferguson had look into Nick Ferguson's hay trees. Yes, that's exactly where I started hearing that from. And when I went down that rabbit hole, it was definitely oh Jesus rabbit hole. Uh, it was definitely definitely um in the plans if we ever did rabbits again and rewild their life nice the trees are already planted perfect perfect so you can feed them if food is not available um 
another pro is the relatively short turnaround time. And I want to say relatively because I did an episode a little while back on quail. Quail are super quick. Um, quail are very, very quick. They're laying eggs in six weeks from from hatch. If you go with the coturnics, the jum- jumbo coturnics, they are uh, full grown at six to eight weeks. They only incubate for 19 days. So your turnaround time is boom, 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 boom. Um, you get less meat, but you can hatch as many as you want. So there is that rabbits um, compared to that was 28 day cycle, I believe. Well, 28, 20. It's been so long, guys. I, I the, the specific days uh, when you were in the groove or was it 28 days you put the nesting box in? They were 31 day gestation. I don't remember. They were all relative in the in the same there with the eggs and uh, the chicken egg incubation, the rabbit uh, gestation. All of it were kind of close. So close. Um, but. It was a, about a month that they were pregnant. A lot of times they wouldn't take, the pregnancy wouldn't take, and you waited a month for a litter to be born and it wouldn't happen. But then the kits, depending on the breed, um, the breeding stock, how how healthy they were, uh, the size of the end rabbit, you could be anywhere from eight to 16 weeks, really, till you're at a, um, a full grow out size. So as compared to a, a Cornish cross meat chicken, uh, you pick them up day one and day and week eight, you are calling them. Week nine, they're really large and you go past 10 weeks and you have monster birds. Rabbits, um, they can be a little longer. Uh, Blakesley Acres has Comfrey's, heard Comfrey is a great source of supplemental feed. Yes, it is. Yes, it is up to a point. Uh, you don't want to rely too heavily on the comfrey. Uh, the whole dig and rub against comfrey being bad for you. There it is. 31 day gestation nesting box at 28. I, I was, I couldn't remember cause chicken eggs. It, oh man. It was, I had so much going on at that time and it's been now, man, we haven't done rabbits in ugh, probably five years. So yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, I didn't have that on my list to talk about. I was just trying to remember on the fly. But the comfrey, uh, the rub on comfrey is it does it, it has some um, has components that will cause lizard liver damage. That's why the the FDA suggests you don't drink it, consume it, only use it topically. Uh, how they got the results on the test was um, they fed an incredibly incredibly large amount of comfrey to rats and they ended up getting liver damage you can do your research for yourself i'm not claiming any medical advice i'm not uh, suggesting you eat piles of comfrey or feed it to any of your animals but here's the deal if you feed it to them in moderation as supplemental feed like blakesley acres says i think you're going to be fine we fed our rabbits comfrey we didn't die I processed my rabbits. I looked at their livers. It, they didn't have any liver damage. Personal experience. Your results may vary. <laughs> but yes, comfrey. Uh, there's plenty of other. There's plenty of other. Plenty of other supplemental feeds out there. Um, the yeah, like Rachel said, the the fodder trees, the hay trees. Um, just cutting hay out of your field like if you have a hay field you can cut that they love it uh clover 
you grow a lawn full of clover and you take a lawnmower and a bagger, you can feed them that. Just don't spray any chemicals on it. Feeding them is easy. Uh, and short turnaround, 8 to 16 weeks. It's a lot shorter than a pig. It's a lot shorter than a beef. A uh, little longer than a quail or a meat chicken. But um, I think it's worth it. And I think still in that relatively short range. Uh, I hit earlier on my last pro was the multiple products. Again, I'll say you can get meat or fur, feet, uh, rabbit feet. Uh, I sold a ton of different uh, raw food products anywhere from just heads to organs to uh, all the way up until just cold uh, wrapped in butcher paper. Fur on, guts in, all of it uh, depends on how the raw food customer was um, was feeding their was feeding their their dog or their cat. So there was that. Um, and then the compost, the the boosted compost, or just selling the cold manure to, can go straight on the gardens. People love that. They don't have to uh, they don't have to compost down that chicken shit or anything like it can go right on the garden. So if you got a farmer's market, something like that, you can fill it in bags and take it and set it by your booth and just sell poop. It's great. It is great. Uh, some of the cons I did, I did, we did shut our rabbitry down. We we did that. Uh, out of uh, frustration and that was that was because of the cold and other things really it wasn't a highly profitable section of our homestead and that mixed with the weather i think was the final tipping point of shutting it down um so the the cons that i came up with on my list i got a few of them here extreme temperature issues uh they're they're definitely fair weather animals we were in Minnesota. We didn't have extremely hot summers, but we had hot snaps that they struggled through, uh, where you were having to give them. Ours were were um, acclimated to cold, where you were giving them frozen bottles, uh, frozen water bottles, things to stay cool. They could die of heat exposure. They would. It was very kind of horrific. I, I witnessed it more than once where they would have like heat seizures and uh, end up dying or needing to be called. Um, also, the males will become stale, sterile at, uh, I think it was 90 degrees, 85 degrees. Uh, it was something that we didn't have to worry about ourselves. But I know in Texas and southern southern United States, it's a, it's a big concern that part of the year you can't breed your bucks because um, because of the heat uh kyle says we could only breed ours in the fall or winter yeah we we could breed um in the spring not in midsummer and then fall our problem was we couldn't breed in the winter because it was too cold uh we would consistently lose full litters uh if we bred too late and they had them when the temperatures were too cold you can provide them all the the heat you want but when it is negative 20 out, the, those animals are not equipped to have those, um, was not equipped to keep them. Uh, <laughs> they do become fertile again, Hunter. Hunter asks if they become fertile again. Yes, they do. They, they do. They just shoot blanks when, uh, when it gets too hot, from what I understand. From what I understand, you might want to dig in and research on that, but I, uh, I am fairly positive that they just, uh, they just go sterile above certain temperatures and then come back, 
uh, and can breed after that. But we both ends of the spectrum too hot. The males can't breed. You'll lose you'll lose rabbits to heat exposure, uh, too cold, um, too cold and the kits freeze. The rabbits were fine in the winter. They were fine. The chores were a pain in the ass. You're going to need heated bowls. We used bottles. Uh, we dealt with the, the, the problem that we would take a, a water bottle down to the barn and the nipple, the ball little nipple thing like you had with your hamster when you were a kid. Uh, that's the kind of bottles we used. The, the metal would get so cold that it would freeze before you would, um, you would get it down to the cage. So that was a real royal pain in the ass in the winter. It could have been better. We just didn't have any uh, climate controlled area to keep them in. Uh, another con would be they get to be hard to sell for profit. Um, man, there are a lot of people out there selling rabbit, processed rabbit for a lot of money. Uh, there are a ton of hoops to jump through that you're going to have to do that. They are treated like poultry in a lot of states, and it is a state-to-state -state thing just like any other um, any other. Uh, any other. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, it gets hard to sell them for profits for human consumption. Uh, you can you can find um, you can find restaurants to buy them. You can find customers to buy them. But be sure you have those customers before you ramp up. Uh, it can get tricky. It can get tricky. Sometimes they're not as popular as you would think. They're not as popular as you would uh, read on the interwebs. And I ended up selling into a nice market of uh, the raw food but raw food people are looking for deals too and uh man i was just trying to cut costs and uh, try get try to get back for to zero for our feed um so it can get hard to sell make sure you have if you go into it to sell them be sure you have customers be sure you found your customer base uh before you ramp up and get into it and get all the infrastructure built and then you can't sell them just a word of caution. And then if you want to raise your own does and you want a long-term breeding program, it can get to be a long cycle. Uh, they are they are sexually mature at like 16, 18 weeks, something like that, uh, that they can produce. We did a lot of research. We did a lot of talking to other rabbit breeders and we sell, we settled on not breeding our does for the first time until they were almost a year old, if not a year. So that turns into a long cycle of um, of of running out of breeding program. Like if you were or if you were running a rabbitry and you wanted to keep all your genetics in house, it gets a long, long cycle. Um, and so that was one con that we had you can do them a lot earlier you can speed that process up but we found that it's healthier for the does it's easier on them they they respond better and have better litters the older they get uh so we felt that that good tipping point was right there at about a year and so that's what we would do uh your results may vary and you may choose to do something else but that is just my observation couple things I'd do different if we did rabbits again. Um, first would be 
first would be um we wouldn't go as big as we did we definitely wouldn't go as big as we did we'd we'd stay small we'd stay small for meat production for us uh supplemental meat pr production for us uh probably once a week maybe twice a week so 100 rabbits a year would be would be sufficient for our needs and then also try to produce enough for the dogs that would be um yeah rewild their life one of the benefits of living where the wealthy spoiled dogs and cats are yes definitely definitely um there's customers out there that are gonna buy it you just need to find them you need to uh to be able to cater to them and uh, you can you can set your own price but there were uh there were a lot that uh that would balk and be like wait a rabbit i'll give you five dollars for it yeah it was it was more expensive than that um so i would do the rabbitry for us i would uh i would keep it small i wouldn't go as big i would try not to do it for profit i would probably try to do it to break even or basically be ahead by doing it smarter with more fodder trees more supplemental feed from the farm maybe not buying pellets and keeping that uh, in-house sustainable operation and keeping it smaller would be a way easier to do that so that was that would be one thing i'd do different um, just for us and the dogs. And um, I might try to do some fur, uh, some fur animals, some fur culls. Um, we, we had an acquaintance in Minnesota that uh, did fur, that did uh, tanning, and she had um, very lucrative business. It didn't fit our model, like I said, with the turn and burn um, litters, where we were trying to call them at uh, at at the perfect weight for for our meals, for selling, uh, keeping that weight relatively low, so you could get more price per pound. And um, she would grow hers out. She would time them to be full coat going into fall like she had a window that she tried to call all her fur animals at the same time uh because they were bulking up for winter their fur their coat was getting thick for winter and it was the ideal time to get the best fur they could off that animal um and so i might experiment with that and i think if I was running the smaller rabbitry, if I was running it more uh, focused on us and smaller production and not worrying about production costs and time and thing like that, things like that, I think getting those nicer furs and then uh, working on those over the off season would be uh, a, a worthwhile venture. And you wouldn't have to go big with it because I think that would be uh, one of those things where that fur would be used for personal use and to make things for us or, um, or a small side gig or whatever. So I would probably try stay out of the rabbits for profit. Uh, the last thing is I would go to wire cages, hanging wire cages. No, no doubt. I said at the beginning, I went through multiple iterations of cage design, everything from PVC, uh, PVC frames, uh, PVC pipe frames, wooden frames, uh, side by sides, things like that. And the, the, thing I settled on and we were getting ready to transition to it when we decided to uh, shut our rabbitry down was we would have went to just hanging metal cages. 
so much cleaner, so much easier to maintain. Uh, I would stay away from building anything. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, Rewilder Life says, I think our plan would be to start small and master it, then maybe introduce a few customers to cover some of the costs and or time. Exactly. Exactly. If anybody needs to follow a, uh, a startup plan right there, that is it. Plan to start small and master it, then maybe introduce a few customers to cover some of the costs and or time. Master it is also a thing that um, <laughs> it you when is just like any other animal. As soon as you think that, uh, as soon as you think you have it mastered, it, it, it there'll be a curveball to just throw you throw you sideways. Um, Backwoods Butcher says, "I love the Joel Salatin setup with the wire cages in a hoop house with the chickens with the deep litter method." Yeah, yeah, uh, that was that was inspiration to change our change our mo. Uh, we were trying to work that into the wooden cages and it just wasn't uh, ideal by any means. So definitely hanging cages. If you have any other questions about rabbits, feel free to uh, shoot them out in the Telegram group. You can email me info at thelotsproject.com or you can ask questions anywhere you can find me. I will get them on a list. I will answer them on the show. I will get you an answer back in the method that you contact me. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate you listening. If you are interested in talking more about it, talking about more of your homestead plans, anything I could uh, give you insight into. Uh, if you're looking for some side income on your homestead using Comfrey or Hip Camp or anything like that, definitely check out thelotsproject.com and sign up for a 30-minute chat. We can chat about your goals and see if there's anything that I can help you with further down the road. And I just like to network with like-minded people that are doing cool things uh, on their homesteads and making great, great progress on the land. But other than that, tomorrow, tomorrow we're talking about mainstream media, mainstream media and getting out of it, getting away from it, stopping watching it and seeing what happens with your life. So I'm excited to talk about that since we haven't really watched the news in years and years and years. It will be an interesting discussion. If you still watch the news, I'd be curious why. Bring your questions, bring your reasons, bring your excuses to the show tomorrow. And uh, we can throw them into the live. Why you still watch the news, why you still pay attention, why you still let them get you fired up. So if you'd like to participate in those live comments, you can find the live recording tomorrow morning or any monday through friday at 6 a.m central on youtube facebook twitch and twitter if you'd enjoyed this show please consider sharing it with others you can find a post about the episode along with links to all my social media services i offer recommended products and companies i'm affiliated with at the lotsproject.com be sure to listen on one of your favorite podcast 2.0 value for value podcast players like podverse or fountain.fm it is a happy, happy Wednesday, November 1st, guys. Go out, kick it in the ass, and uh, start November off right. Get over the hump, and we will see you back here on Thursday. I can feel the sun.